Listen, I will play that every time, at least, at least five to ten times a year. That and the Gemma quote. I love Tiffany. I love New York. Um, welcome to the Black Sublime Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Haberdashery, a.k.a. Aolis White, a.k.a. I want my nuts roasting. I want them roasting on an open fire, meaning I want a goddamn child. Um... I don't. So no, nobody get a, get any ideas. I am kidding. This is all a joke. I, I'm okay. So, whew, Lord, 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 Lord. I, I, I worry. I worry about this podcast. I worry about this episode because the energy I have, how I'm feeling, how I like what I what I feel like talking about today is like. Clearly off. Like, I clearly started on some bullshit. But anyway, welcome. I hope everybody's feeling pretty good. I am, as you know, I took a couple of weeks off a couple of weeks ago. And it's been, you know, I'm still getting back to the swing of things. I might take some more time off. Um, but nothing crazy, like just for new, just for, oh, actually, I think next week I'm going to out of town. I don't know. I'm going to figure this out. But anyway, I, I definitely feel good. And I am happy to be talking to you. Happy to be working. Happy to be getting to the shits. Shout out to everyone that is going through a particularly rough time economically, Lord, health-wise, Folks that are like stressed for spiritually, I just want to extend some love out to y'all. And I guess let's just jump right into the shits. You know, I, I every time I say that, I always don't jump into the shits. I don't know. But there's been some like drama at work where like, um, Actually, let me not be petty. Let's just go into it. So I wanted to discuss something that, um, I don't know, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, but I, I wanted to challenge us, or really myself, to have a conversation that is really to push the ideas that I've had in the past, right? To push the frameworks, to push like the the cute quotes and the things that I've spoken about to really try to apply it in a different way, right? Because I think that at times 
we all get caught up in the liberatory struggle or we all get caught up in the, the, the theory of things, but don't like investigate many, many ways that it plays out. Like I had something a couple of months ago and I think I talked about it on the podcast. I'm not actually sure, but I was talking about misogyny. I was talking about how I, found I have figured out found a new way that I am misogynistic right I have in- investigated myself or like explore whatever the word you'd say like and found a way that I had not yet challenged that or believed that I had not yet challenged that was rooted in misogyny and it was and I'll share this and then go into the shit see every time I say it it's like I don't go into the shit but I was thinking about how I worry a lot about the fragility of women. Like I, you know, in my interactions, I try to be very, very careful, like more careful than I would otherwise be. Um, Very like, especially physically, very, very like delicate. And I think... Because I don't, I only interact with women in the context of like friendships and family. Like, I don't really know their bodies outside of like things that we discuss, like health wise. Like, I mean, I think, I mean, I know a lot about like women's health, but in the context of like, I don't know, like touching and being very like aggressive or whatever. I just assert whatever you'd call that. I just don't do it. Like I'm afraid of actual like creating psychological trauma, creating physical. Like I just am like, oh no, like I don't want to. And I explored that it's a belief about fragility. It's a belief about an ability to injure. And yes, I mean, there is truth to it, but ultimately you know the the idea that women are not strong physically like this are incapable of enduring certain things physically is rooted in misogyny right because it's it, I, I believe that it creates a it defends or substantiates like a power dynamic right like our power imbalance or whatever when you know, it's not really the case. Like, yes, it's the case that in most cases, men are stronger than women physically. But, I mean, nothing that a man does, like, is impossible for a woman. Like, and they're actually not that fragile. And we always talk about them in the context of childbirth. But, this idea is, to me, just unfounded. Um, but I had to explore myself and say, well, what, like, why do you believe that this fragility, even though the women that you know are, like, strong in many ways, uh, how does that affect your willingness to be physical with them, aside from just, like, the hug, like, or what kinds of hug is it, like, a cute, like, what do you, like, what, in what ways are you ignoring 
the invitations you have to be more physical and sensual with women just because you have your own fear you know and like the fear that you will hurt a woman is also less about fragility and more about your own suspicion of your masculinity like it is more about you fearing manhood and understanding manhood to be inherently um, destructive or inherently injurious than it is about the fragility of your of the people in your life. So you need to think about that, and you need to. So I've been doing that, and in that work, I mean, it's not like the most serious thing because it doesn't really affect like many parts of much of my life. But for those who listen to the podcast, you know that my ass thinks about everything. Um, and tries to be more politically. I, I try to be about what the fuck I say. So work on it. But um, in any case, it started me down this path. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say that it's one of the many things that I feel like, you know, the gap, one of the many gaps between theory and practice, between a liberatory politic and what we actually do in our private lives and our everyday lives. So, so I want to have a discussion mostly for queer men, but for anybody who wants to listen about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about, and it's really not about sex, like plainly. It's about the politics of it. And the traumas around it and just, like, what this means for us. And I'm not trying to advance no answers. I'm really trying to ask a couple of questions and get us to ask questions of ourselves and investigate or invest in our healing, right? So before I start that, I want to just share some beliefs that I think bias my discussion or that definitely inform what I'm saying. And y'all, if y'all don't fuck with it, it's fine. Like, I'm not sitting here like you need to think how I think, but I just want you to know, you know, I have this belief fundamentally that... Every that compartmentalization is bad. That every part of ourself influences another part of ourself. Um, that to be human, to be doing this thing called life well, is to be integrated. It is to, you know, recognize, allow for, encourage. Uh, all the parts of ourselves to influence others, right? It's and it's to encourage our sort of universal, simultaneous, comprehensive, like being present in the moment. And this is not to say we shouldn't uh, she shouldn't like adjust to, or we shouldn't understand. Um, we shouldn't understand context. Like, obviously, I'm not saying strip and shake your ass, like, at work, unless your work is stripping and shaking your ass, in which case, do that. But, you know, I'm not saying, like, you know, do some ratchet, or not even just ratchet, just, you know, swing dick or whatever your thing is, like, at church. Like, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you should, that for me, for me, you know, Integration, being fully present, 
understanding that what I do in private affects what I do in public and what I do in public affects what I do in private. Understanding that politics affects love. Love affects politics. There's political love. You know, not separating how I suck dick from what my politics are on like reproductive like freedom or whatever like really understanding me as a whole human being that is affected by everything that I do everything that I am at all times that to me is the hallmark of living well that to me is the hallmark of health that to me is the hallmark of somebody who like has a politics that I can trust has you know to me that's the that's part of that's a central project and it's worth noting because that mentality is different from a lot of other folks mentalities right it's it's uh it's a formulation or id like an ideology or it just is a uh yeah a view a, a view on humanity and life that runs counter to a lot of what you see all the time there there are many people many organisms many institutions that do not support this type of thinking that would rather you Consider your work self a work self that is completely, you know, that is reduced to certain qualities, that is only work ethic, that may have ambitions, may not, but can complete a certain task or add a certain value to the organization, and that you don't need to bring your identity, for your, your, your context as an ethnic person or a person from a specific ethnic group or... Even aside from the large diversity markers, but just your lived experience, like all that is cute, but you can keep that there and then you come here to do this certain job. And that kind of that kind of methodology is good for certain systems, i.e. capitalism, i.e. patriarchy, i.e. you know, white supremacy and all of that. I don't believe in that. I think I think my belief in a wholeness, a oneness, a integrated human being is part of, is foundational to a liberatory mindset. But that is my opinion, right? So if you don't like that, then you might not like the nature of the conversation to follow. I think I'm right, obviously, but you know, that's not, you know, whatever. So... (laughs) Moving from that, I want to ask a couple questions about sex, right? Well, really not really about sex, but if that's true, then on some level, the type of sex that I have affects my politics. So what are the political ramifications of the type of sex that I have? Of the type of play, sexual play that I do, um, what is the purpose of the kind of, or what is the, Purpose as in how does it function in the rest of my identity, the kind of sexual play that I do, um, the power dynamics that I explore, if I explore power dynamics at all in sex or sexual play? Or is it possible that we do perform sex or practice sex in a way that is divorced from the rest of ourselves? Is it, is it the case that the kind of sex that I practice 
does not have any effect on my uh, political views. So that's one question, right? And I'm going to pause there and then go into a bit of a story and then probably go back to it or go somewhere else that's related. You know, I identify sexually as verse. Versatile for the for the girls that don't for well when all the girls know, so it'd be for the non-girls. And I do so because it's true, I get it's true denotatively, but I the identity the identity itself, like the label itself is a political label. The label of top is a political label. The label of bottom is a political label. You know, and when I decided to identify as verse, and this is also in the context of blackness, when I decided to identify as verse, I mean, I used to not put shit on the apps when I was, you know, hoeing on the apps. I used to not put, I used to just not answer that question um, and then see how things played out when I met up or whatever. But I, I realized that it's actually to my advantage to label myself this way because it signals to people that I am not going to play the, the canned patriarchal games that tend to exist. I'm not saying they always exist, but that tend to exist with the top and bottom dynamic. Because a lot of times, you know, what... The way, and obviously not all, I know tons of people that are, that are bottoms but are not, you know, identified or that are not forced to play femme gender roles in their relationships. But a lot of times being associated as the bottom or as the top is mapped onto the heteronormative sex roles that, you know, gays are, are emulating. And not necessarily just like something like cooking and clean, cleaning, but something like, you know, the power dynamics that are at play on a sexual level. So there are people, there are, you know, times where top and bottoms will have sex and the bottom does not orgasm. And a mythology is created to to justify it, where we talk about, you know, creaming or anal orgasms or other types of pleasure that are not actual, like, genital, <laughs> that are not, like, genital, genital orgasms, right? That are psychological, um, psychological, erotic, spaces where pleasure is derived but it's not strictly or not strictly but even mostly uh physiological or a result of physical sexual simulation so we create this I call it mythology, but it's not quite that it's like legend it's erotic legends I guess to justify a dynamic where the top comes all the time and the bottom comes sometimes, right? And, you know, that resembles (laughs) a lot of the sex that straight people have gotten used to 
where women come sometimes and the numbers are not good. I mean, I'm, we're talking about women in straight relationships where like then they come sometimes, but the man comes all the time. You have this, this basis where, or this ideology where penetration is a proxy for domination, where penetration sets the structure up for who gets what, when, who has a certain type of play. If you are the penetrating person, then you are also, there's more space for you to be aggressive, more space for you to be dominant. Um, there, and then it becomes subversive when the, the person who is pe- being penetrated um, is the more aggressive person. It's a kink. It is seen as something alternative to the norm. And when you do that, when you set up penetration as a proxy for domination, when you make it the standard that the person who is penetrating is the dominant person, then you map that onto masculinity and femininity, right? Where bottoms are most are going to be viewed as more feminine or if you are feminine then you are associated as a bottom and then being a femme top make is a is a um deviation from that it's like i didn't want to play any of those games I really didn't. And not only did I not want to play those games, I felt like it was going to kill me. I, felt, I mean, honestly. Like, and I'm be, it, people are probably like, well, how? It's like, you know what? When I see people that are so mapped, so addicted, and, you know, masculine men that are so addicted to needing to feel manly, needing to feel dominant. I have I have always felt oppositional to that person. I have always felt like even in my life as a child, I felt like I opposed that kind of man. So I don't trust that. You know, I I inher- I inherently think that it's this, it's suspicious to me to have to be around a man who needs these things, who needs these this sort of who is married to um, this psychological, political, erotic domination thing. And like for me, for me to invite vulnerable that kind of vulnerability into my life, like I don't I do think it's life threatening or at least like it's not a good look. <laughs> at the very least, right? So when thinking about well, if I believe that all these things are related, there has to be, you know, a political effect. Or maybe not just political in terms of, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying electoral, but I'm saying like just how we interact as groups, the beliefs that we hold about each other and groups and poli- and what normative, you know, structures we start to build. Um, but also just my capacity to feel my own power and agency, what I believe I should do in a relationship, right? Like you have this sense, 
you know, in a top or a bottom dynamic, if you subscribe to it in a way that is all in, like this, you know, patriarchal thing, that I need to perform certain tasks, you know, that I need to change how I interact with the world in order to make my role in this, like, last or make my role play my role well in this relationship and I just was like I don't want to trade my freedom in this way and I don't want anybody to think to think that that's what they're getting to think that you signed up for me and you're gonna get these I'm not that way um but at the same time I've always wanted to leave room for queer people to define ourselves sexually as we see fit, right? I I think I have tremendous empathy and sympathy for for our entire community because, you know, we, we have to invent it on our own and we do the best we can with what we got. And we don't, and when we start out, we don't have much. And particularly because, you know, people that would be in their 50s and be in their 40s, particularly in like in urban, like in cities, have, weren't, are, have been killed basically by, by neglect and HIV and AIDS. Like, we lost a lot of people, which means we lost an institution. We lost people to tell us, like, hey, like, don't do this, or hey, this is how you do this. And a lot of times, depending on your age, I think now we're in a space where kids that are, like, 16 to 24 have the benefit of folks that are 25 to 35, 25 to 40. But 10 years ago... Like, that wasn't really the case. You know, I, I, as a 20-year-old, I didn't really have, like, the people that I knew that were 45 were traumatized from having lost most of their friends. Honestly. Like, I would be, like, we would be talking about the youth and they'd be talking about their friends that are dead. And I'd just be like... You know, it really wasn't like that because everybody that I know that are like 20 years older than me, 20, 25 years older than me, are consider themselves lucky, frankly, to have survived that era. So even in the context of just what it means, like we don't have even the benefit of generational and a generational acquisition of knowledge so we make it up on our own and sometimes we take we we co-opt straight language like I was having a conversation about like assholes and how aside from sucking dick aside from one's mouth Male men or male humans, right? And like in the strict sense, don't have don't have like a receptive 
org, like genital space that is erotic, you know? Like you you can try to make asshole as sexy as you want, but it's just not. Like, I mean, you can, like in certain contexts, you can try. And like, we tried to say whole, and whole kind of works like, you know, kind of. Like whole does have some erotic, I mean, kind of. Like it does have some erotic context. But the thing about whole is like, when you say whole, like, it implies that, like, it needs to be filled, right? Like, it's not, like, whole is erotic, but it's also political, right? Or, like, it's a psychological, it triggers things psychologically. Like, erotically, it means that it is a, an empty space that needs a dick that needs to be filled. It is not something, like, that's where its erotic value comes from. It, it's, it doesn't have any, its erotic value is mapped onto, like, domination and patriarchy and that kind of stuff. And it's fine, but we know what it, I mean, I, I don't know if it's fine, but it's a thing. And we have it, we use it, because that's what we got. A lot of people call their assholes pussies, though, right? Because pussy has erotic value it has erotic value because well i shouldn't say because but in part from its use among straight people and it and we have seen it and we have already made that association so through sexual play you call your asshole a pussy and it's fun. And when you want to feel sexy, you can kind of borrow from the the sexiness of the woman, the of of like a female person, which is like the problem is when you call your asshole a pussy and you call your hole a hole, and then you pornographically allow it to be damaged, right? Because, like, damaged holes... I mean, I'm not saying... And I'm saying, like, not literally damaged. I mean, the, the erotic description of it as being damaged, as wanting it to be stretched, you know? I, I was going to say some wild shit, but I would just... You know, maybe, maybe I should go into it. Like, you know, a ruined, like, torn, stretched hole beat, smashed whole, destroyed whole by this like massive virility. And that is erotically charged. Getting your whole just ran through by this concept of a unwieldy, just wild virility. When I think about that as the basis of a lot of sexual play or erotic language, it's just hard for me not to say that that's not embodied misogyny, that it's not embodied patriarchy, right? Like, it just obviously looks like we have consummated, we've consummated patriarchy through sex, and it's hard for me then to say, okay, now we have a basis, a practice that is liberatory within a sexual concept. Because every time, every night, every whenever you get some dick, 
you consummate this patriarchy, yet you, you know, have a, a feminist politic verbally or orally. Or <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it just for me seems like, let me say this. It seems like a missed opportunity. It seems like a space where we should be creating something new for us to have erotic pleasure, for us to have, you know, to find a true erotic space, a powerful sexual, sensual space. But instead, we're co-opting and trying to, you know, reinvent or repurpose straight or hetero, you know, whatever. I don't want to say straight because it's really like straight patriarchy, right? It's like it's not, it's a blend of like hetero patriarchy. It's not just the, the the feeling of being heterosexual is not the issue, right? It's like the patriarchal uh, investment or, or or bias or wielding of that heterosexuality that makes it. It's a corruptive force, you know. Um, and I also think about even outside of, you know, the pornography of it all, which is what I'm kind of calling the sort of erotic language, that reductive, vulgar, non-nutritious erotic, you know, is the idea that sex must involve pain, Right, because okay, the the adult holes, you know, the practice holes, you know, the experience bottoms, whatever. Like those, you know, you've been at this for a while. You probably don't experience much pain or any pain in having sex, right? You probably don't. But well, I can't speak for that. Right, but assuming that you have a mainstream sexual life and you have taken care of your hole and like you know how your asshole, your victim, you know everything about the girl, you know, <laughs> like you know how he, she, how it depends on how you refer to, you know, I refer to everything as she, so I don't mean to like make it, you know, I'll call everything she. Um, so, so not to like belabor the point or like make the point in a more aggressive way by calling it she in that context. But um, you know how your whole works. So assuming that, you know, you have a good sense, you probably, maybe, don't ex you probably don't experience pain, right? But the idea that sex should be painful or that you must endure pain in order to have sex at some point of your journey, I think it's a traumatic belief. It's a belief that makes, that I think biases our sexual journey. It biases, it creates the, it's the seed upon which domination is you know, grown or from which it's grown because you already think you're suffering for the benefit of somebody else or you're suffering as part of your role in this engagement. You're suffering as part of what you need to do, particularly if you're thinking about like female people, 
you know, suffering as part of your job as a woman, suffering as part of your job as a bottom. And then you'll get used to it. The promise is you'll get used to it and pleasure will come. A lot of people, bottoms eventually like stimulate their own dicks, have, the, have their partners stimulate their dicks. So they come because the process, you know, you figure it out. You figure it out. Or you do the no, or you get to a no hand, uh, you know, a hands-free orgasm when you figure that out. Um, and shout out to those. <laughs> shout out to those. But you figure those out. And, you know, it, it works. But the belief has already been established that you are suffering, that you, that suffering was the bed, was the, was the bedrock it is. And that to me is just problematic. It's pro. It's it's not only is it pro. I shouldn't say it's problematic because that's not descriptive, but it's it's the formula. It's the DNA of patriarchy. So if you carry these beliefs, and meanwhile tops don't think they have anything to like, there's no like you know there's there's no other version of that for tops or for men that do this. So it's just like. It's clearly patriarchal. You know, we don't, we don't anal train. Well, not say we don't. You know what I'm talking about in general. Niggas don't anal train. Anal train, they don't train. You, you can do the same thing for, uh, you know, vaginas. People don't do that. It's just like none of this. The idea is to just ram it in. And the person will endure enough pain and eventually they'll get over it. And then there's this promise of pleasure that may actually never come if you don't figure it out. And then I thought about just also like the education. I guess that's part of what I was just saying, though. You know, we aren't educated in these ways formally so then patriarchal legend and patriarchal mythology and standards start to take place start to take hold like the idea like you can call a bottom for those who don't know obviously like a loose bottom which has the same kind of whore um Slut, shame-inducing effect. You know that that the words that I just mentioned do for women. And yes, it's true that your the muscles can be over relaxed and can't like it's possible, right? But to use shame in this way in a very chastising to imply that you are impure. It's like, why would you pick that up from straight people? Not only is like how we picked it up from straight people, it's just also not how vaginas or assholes work. Like <laughs> the you and even if they did work this way, being relaxed, having a relaxed asshole, relaxed muscles, 
it's good. It means that you're not, it's good for you. Like I will watch, like I have seen like good for you in the context of you won't experience pain during sex. Like I remember watching this video because in the comments, right? The comments are why I watch porn, honestly. Like some of the comments are amazing. I'm lurking on like not watching the comments. I will watch porn and then watch the comments and read the comments and like be on this. It's just a time sink, right? But I remember watching one that was like, um, the comment was, oh, and this bottom has no walls. He's just taking the dick so easily. And it's like, you want him to be in pain. You want his reaction to have a blend of pain and pleasure. You want it to feel like it's too much for him, but be able to perform joy, or perform ecstasy while performing pain. Like, this is what you want. And if you don't see the pain, then there's something wrong with him. Then he is, he has done this too much. He is impure. It's just like maddening, especially because the muscles, like sphincter, rex, whatever, the muscle, like, the muscles are going to contract. Like, they are contracted most of your day. Like, most of your life, your muscles are contracted. <laughs> like, so, this idea that you're a loose bottom, I mean, if you're, like, a loose bottom and you have actual medical issues, then you would not be able to hold your shit in. Like, they would be actual problems. And these problems can happen, but these problems happen usually from other myths. Right? Like from overcleaning, from wanting to have your asshole be just like a vagina, to present like a vagina in terms of being hyper clean, being, you know, I, I you should pre-lube and you should thoroughly lube. So I'm not gonna, you know, you should do that. But this idea of like people bleach their holes, they, you know, make sure they're tight on the outside, people get Botox on their holes. People Botox their holes so it can have a certain look. People, you know, want to be able to push it out enough so that I can create like a sort of like, not like a labial effect, but it can kind of create like that pinkness. All of these things. If you hyper clean your asshole, that water dries out the, the cells that are already not producing their own the lube itself adds aids to drying, wiping, aids to drying. Most people don't have like bidets in their house. Like all of these things like aid to drying. And then you want to take some big ass dick because you need this like massive virility. And you do that. Yeah, you could hurt yourself and you could have some shit where you got to go to the doctor to get a fish. You can have anal fissures. And then, yeah, if you have an anal fissure, you might get... Some shit spilling out your, your ass. But like, this, that, was a, that was kind of intention, but it's not. It's like being mised or undereducated and then only consuming, being on this diet of patriarchy is actually bad for your health. Like it literally causes medical problems. Like in real life, but we do it anyway. So then you roll all that together. What are the political ramifications of that? Right? Like what? If we submit our bodies to this, 
what is the what are the what are the impacts on our mind and our point of view and on our ability to be allies to women or our ability to not even just in terms of like formal political advocacy, but what are our powers as creative people? And by creative, I mean the ability to create a world for everybody to flourish. What is our capacity as a lover? A lover in the sense of the last episode that I talked about, you know, the the world building thing. What is the capacity of our imaginations to imagine true equality? Not just equality, you know, in the context of like work and shelter and basic human rights, but equality in the bedroom, equality with our bodies on a, on a personal level. If we have built our sexualities on all this bullshit, and it's just something that, you know, I want us to think about. I want us to, I'm going to keep thinking about it. And if I do create something like a language or a game or a style of play or something that I think will be useful, I'll share it. I mean, I may not share it. (laughs) No, I will share it. But, you know, I've been on the fence about this conversation because, one, I don't want to be too prescriptive, right? I think that as queer people, we already endure People telling us what to do with the so I don't want to do that. But also, there's a privacy component, right? Like if I if I get a partner and we start doing some wild shit, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Girl, here's you know last night." You know, I want to like not do that. Um, but at the same time, I think we do need more of this conversation. So anyway, well, enjoy the rest of your week i had a great time talking my shit with you um and you know i love you all be safe